Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio, presented by your local Hyundai dealers. This is Chicago's number one and most listened to sports station. 670 The Score is Chicago sports. Chicago sports is the score. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. One in the air to right field toward the corner it goes. And the Guardians have tied the game. Quan is on the gas pedal, four on the floor to third with an RBI triple. Highlight courtesy of NBC Sports Chicago. Last night, the Guardians come from behind and beat the White Sox 5-2. You've got inside the clubhouse here on 670 The Score alongside Bruce Levine. Mike Esposito in for David Haw today. A special Mully and Haw live from Las Vegas coming up at 11. The guys are live at the Circa Hotel and Sportsbook outside Swim Cabana number 6. Be fun broadcast for them coming up right after this show. Sox star Dylan Cease later this hour. Right now, though, Bruce, we head on out to the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sportsbook. Fortunate to bring in a good friend and one of the greatest broadcasters in baseball. For 33 years, the voice of the Cleveland Guardians, our good friend Tom Hamilton, nice enough to pick up the phone on a Saturday morning and join us to talk a little baseball. Good morning, Tom. Well, good morning, Bruce and Mike, and thank you for the kind words, Bruce. You know, the the feeling is mutual. I uh, have always been a big fan of your work and so respect how you've gone about it all these years. Well, Tom, uh, we we probably should have used one of your highlights uh, to bring you in. <laughs> Jason did not sound excited. Uh, Jason did not sound <laughs> excited. <laughs> you know, uh, I, let, let's start right there, Tom. Uh, growing up listening to baseball as you did, uh, listening to guys do a straight broadcast of the home team, listening to guys who have passion about their team, doing it it's done many different ways there's no set way of doing baseball games on the radio uh, which is the essential part of summer for every baseball fan in every city where where did you get your passion from and what did you hear growing up that impacted the way that you do a broadcast well that's a great question because i think any of us that are in this business um, have been greatly influenced, if not impacted, by the people we listened to when we were growing up. So it really 
really depends on what part of the country you grew up on. We were dairy farmers outside of Madison, Wisconsin. And so I'm dating myself now, but um, I was growing up on a dairy farm, you know, at night listening literally on a transistor radio to Earl Gillespie uh, called the Milwaukee Braves games, who had, of course, moved from Boston to Milwaukee. Now, I don't really remember a ton of it until, you know, I don't re- I was too young as a baby to remember their World Series years, the back-to-back and 57 and 58, but certainly grew to love that team um, and listening to Earl Gillespie in the 60s. And because we were dairy farmers, meaning you had to milk back in those days twice a day, we got to one doubleheader a year at County Stadium and we'd sit in right field so we could sit closest to Hank Aaron. So that's for me where the love of the game started. And yeah, I was lucky enough later in life Uh, to work with Earl Gillespie doing University of Wisconsin football games. And for me, that will always be one of the highlights of my life, to to work with somebody that you so, I hate to use the word adored, but respected from such a distance and was the guy that really was the reason you got into it. And then later after, you know, the Braves had left, we, we were very lucky, I thought, Wisconsin. We had incredible broadcasters. Um, once the Brewers came into town with Merle Harmon and Bob Euchre, and then um, also Gary Bender was so very good doing Wisconsin and Green Bay Packer games. So I had I had top-notch broadcasters to listen to and, and dream about that kind of a job. Yeah, certainly, Tom. Uh, those of us here in the Chicago area, too, are, we're spoiled for – for what we've grown up with too, with you know the the both both Cubs and White Sox broadcasters uh, from both the radio yes. and television side, uh, it, it's been uh, it's been a great experience getting to know a lot of those people too. For those of us like Bruce and I who get to get to work in this business and are lucky enough to do so, uh, I want to take you back to last night's game. I mean, the Sox it looked like they had McKenzie on the ropes <laughs> there in the first, but after he wiggles out of it, then he he goes on to strike out 14 White Sox. I mean, he just flipped the switch there seemingly in the second. Yeah, I, I, I thought, Mike, the turning point was that double play ball. When he got the double play ball um, off the bat of Grandall, because that, that had the makings of a real ugly inning where Chicago could have really decided that game early. And, you know, the one thing that these young kids have done, when you talk about the young pitchers, and, and McKenzie is certainly that, the ability to minimize damage early in the game. So many times young pitchers panic and they get into a jam and then they're trying to make the perfect pitch and get out of the inning without giving up any runs. You give up one run or two runs and and minimize that damage, that's better than sitting there thinking you can get out of it without giving up a run. And, and the next thing you know, it's a five or six run inning. So that's part of the maturation process we've seen with McKenzie. And to your point, I mean, he was almost unhittable after that first inning. And, you know, that's, I know they haven't had the year they expected offensively, but that, that is still a real dangerous White Sox lineup. And, you know, he, he did it with a fastball, a curveball, and a slider, and he's been doing it that way all season long. And, and these guys just have the ability to stay in the game until, you know, the late innings. They lead the major leagues with 22 last-at-bat wins. It wasn't a last-at-bat win last night, but it almost felt like it when you're able to get those runs um, with two men out in the seventh inning. I mean, in the eighth inning, 
in their last game against Detroit Wednesday night, Andrew Chafin struck out the side, except the third batter got aboard on a strikeout wild pitch, and with two outs and that one guy on, Cleveland went on to score six runs, and they ended up striking out four times in the eighth inning on Wednesday night and, again, found a way to win. It's been that kind of a magical season, and it it starts with a, a young ball club believing they'll find a way to win the game. They just never think they're out of a game. And, you know, it's about as, I think, uh, an enjoyable and surprising season as we have had here in a long time. Tom, how much does it all start with uh, Jose Ramirez? Because seven years ago, a general manager who will go nameless right now uh, asked me to evaluate uh, the Indians and Ramirez had been called up before Lindor and uh, uh, he he was asking me about uh, Ramirez and I said well why are you so interested in Ramirez Uh, Lindor is the guy they're going to call up really soon he goes I think from having scouted him for many years as a youngster from 16 on that uh, Ramirez is going to be a better player than Lindor Uh, this general manager is now going to be named, and it was A.J. Preller. Uh, (laughs) What are your your thoughts about how it all starts with uh, Ramirez? What does he bring to the game, and what does he bring to this team every day? Well, Bruce and, and Mike, I think when your best player plays the game harder than anybody else, then everybody else falls in line. I, I just think when you look at really good teams down through the years, if their best player played the game harder than anybody else, that's invaluable. You know, and and I'm dating myself, but I think of from George Brett, Kirby Puckett, Robin Yount. I mean, you can go on and on. Derek Jeter here in recent years with the great New York Yankee teams. Jose Ramirez is not only the best player on this ball club, but there's, there isn't anybody I don't think in baseball Cleveland would trade him for. You know, he, he's sitting here with 99 RBIs, and you're talking about a guy that gets pitched around all the time. I know Aaron Judge has had an incredible year, but he's had a lot of protection throughout the year in that lineup, not to take anything away from what he's done. But my goodness, guys, for the first two months of this season, there was no reason to pitch to Jose Ramirez and he was still carrying this ball club. And so because of the way he plays the game all out all the time, it's what you saw last night. Ahmed Rosario is the same kind of player. Andre Ximena is the same kind of player. They're trying to get a double every time they get a single because they're trying to put pressure on the defense. That starts with Jose. And in my mind, the turning point of this season was April 5th. We were about to leave Goodyear, Arizona, to fly to Kansas City uh, to begin the season on April 7th. And Jose Ramirez was either going to be on our charter flight to Kansas City or he was going to be on a plane to another city because he was going to be traded. And he demanded that his agent compromise with the Cleveland ownership. Jose and owner Paul Dolan talked personally to see if they could bridge the gap as far as where the two sides were. Jose did not want to leave here, signed that extension, and to me, everything after that has uh, been a byproduct of Jose signing the extension on April 5th. This would be a whole different ballgame 
if Jose Ramirez had gotten on a different plane on that Tuesday. Talking to Tom Hamilton, the voice of the Guardians here on Inside the Clubhouse on the score. Cleveland with their win last night. Tom now three and a half up on the Sox. Minnesota also right there in the mix. But uh, certainly, and I have to ask you this too, because I think everything you said about what makes the Guardians exciting this season and fun this season, Sox fans, and I know we've been hearing it all season, this, the Sox fans are saying the White Sox are the opposite of what the Guardians are. They are a team that had high expectations, that doesn't look like they're having fun, uh, and certainly have been a seesaw all season long. When, when you watch the White Sox, what, what do you see out there? You know what, Mike? I still see a team that nobody wants to play come October. And um, I'm not just saying this because I'm on with you guys. I was talking about it last night uh, with Len and DJ and as well as with Stoney and Jason. And, you know, everybody concurs that if Chicago can get into the playoffs, they're really going to be a tough out. Now, I know that their defense is certainly at times going to be a problem and can be a problem come October because the margin for error is so little because of the, the series aspect. You know, you don't have you know, a few days to recover from a game, maybe a blow because he didn't catch a ball. But who is going to throw out a much better rotation in a short series than the White Sox, starting with Dylan Cease and the way Johnny Cueto's pitched and the way Lance Lynn looked again last night and uh, Mike Kopech. And then the back end of that bullpen is what wins you games come October. And while they haven't hit home runs at the rate that they thought they would this year, they have that ability uh, to do that in the postseason. I, you know, obviously we don't see them every day, so it's hard for me to explain why they've had the kind of year that they have had. But I just hearken back to 1997, and it kind of felt like it was a year that we kind of were sleepwalking most of the year and really were aided in the division when the White Sox made that mammoth trade. I know in Chicago, I think it's been the, the white flag trade. I think that's how they've turned it in 97 when you dealt a number of players to the Giants. We won the division. I'd have to look, but I think it was with 86 wins. We won the Central Division in 97 after having monstrous years in 95 and 96. I thought we'd be one and done in the postseason, Uh, beat a really good Yankee team when Sandy Alomar homered off Mariano Rivera to keep us from being eliminated in game four beat the Yankees in five. Baltimore, if you remember how dominant they were in 97, they went pole to pole as far as, you know, never being out of first place. We upset them to win the American League pennant. You know, you win a game that October on a suicide squeeze bunt that was missed. I mean, you know, you talk about a crazy way to win a playoff game, a suicide squeeze that wasn't executed, but Webster, the catcher for Baltimore, didn't catch the pitch ricocheted off this glove, and we scored the winning run. And then went seven games against a Florida Marlins team that I still think we had a better ball club, but it was a memorable World Series where we couldn't hold the lead in the ninth inning. So my point is, that was such a lackluster season for us, and we were one win away from winning the World Series. I still maintain if the White Sox get into the playoffs, they're, the, they're a team that nobody wants to face in a short series. The beauty of your broadcast for me is that you editorialize as you're broadcasting and you don't miss a beat. Uh, and and at, at the same time, 
you're as uh, complimentary or or hard on the home team as you are on the visitors. So from that perspective, uh, your thoughts on Tony LaRusso's move yesterday, a walking uh, hitter after the double steal with a one-two count on the batter, and what progressed from there? Because this is the second time that it's happened uh, this year with the White Sox, and the the first time it didn't work out, yesterday it did, but the fan base um, is you know, up in arms at times when they see moves like this. your perspective. Well, it, it, one thing I've learned, Bruce, is that I'm never going to second guess a manager. I mean, I'll say ahead of time, you know, if they walk him, that's interesting. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they got the out. And so right. it worked out. Is it unusual? Yeah, there's no question it's unusual. But Tony LaRusse is in the Hall of Fame for a reason. And he's been one of the game's greatest managers of all time. And I've learned the hard way a lot of times when you may second guess a manager and then you find out after the game or the next day when you're talking to the manager, certain things happened that predicated that move that we weren't privy to before the move was made, Uh, whether it was an injury or somebody got sick during the game or somebody's not able to go because they're trying to keep something quiet because they don't want the opposition to know that there's an issue with a player from a health standpoint. So I, I think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it looks, you know, like a big deal with Tony did, but at the end of the day, it had no impact on the ball game. Is it unusual? Yeah. But you know, I, here's what I like. I like unusual, you know, now maybe I'm, you know, because I think the easy thing for managers to do is to go by the book and not go by a gut instinct because then they know nobody's going to second guess them after a ball game. I always worry about a manager who goes, well, I'm going to do this because I'm not going to have to answer questions about why I did it. And I think the best managers in the game are the guys that go by a gut instinct. Uh, We saw it with Tito in the 2016 World Series. He had told me ahead of time, he goes, look, I just want to prepare you for when we're playing in this World Series, why I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Don't say anything until it unveils itself. But if you remember, Cleveland was down to two healthy starting pitchers, Corey Kluber and Josh Tomlin. Danny Salazar and Carlos Carrasco were injured and weren't available to start. Trevor Bauer was basically totally ineffective after a great game in the division series, and then he played with his drone and almost cut his fingers off. And so he was of no use in the World Series, even though he pitched. So because of that, Tito was like, look, the Cubs are too good. They're too good right now for us to just play it safe. We can't do that with what our situation is injury-wise and how limited we are in starting pitching. So if you see Andrew Miller in the fifth inning of a game or Cody Allen or whatnot, if I've got a chance to win that day's game, I've got to do everything I can to win that game. And as we now look back at it, it was highly unusual how Tito was using that bullpen in 2016. He did it out of necessity and it got them to game seven. And so I like those kind of managers, be it Tito, be it Tony LaRusso, that aren't afraid to make decisions that other people might question because they have confidence in that decision. 
Tom, uh, we can't thank you enough. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, keep doing what you've been doing so well for the last 33 years, calling baseball games with tremendous passion and accuracy. It's a delight. Mike and I appreciate your time today. Well, Bruce, thank you so much. And, Mike, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm the one that's been very blessed to have this job. And, uh, you know, as much as I loved my childhood, I'm, I'm glad I'm not back on that dairy farm milking cows because that's, that's <laughs> real work. I, I haven't had a real job here in 33 years. So thanks, guys. Thanks so much, Tom. Tom Hamilton, the voice of the Cleveland Guardians, he is awesome. It's great to talk to him, and his point is well made. The 97 uh, uh, Cleveland Indians at the time, 86 wins in the regular season. Bruce, they they barely won the division over a, uh, a lackluster AL Central that year and then made it all the way to Game 7 of the World Series. So we'll see what happens with the White Sox, and uh, we will talk to one of the White Sox uh, very soon. Dylan Cease, the White Sox Cy Young Award candidate uh, is having a great season here in 2022. We'll talk to him at the bottom of the hour. More White Sox and Cubs thoughts here as we continue. Bruce Levine, Mike Esposito, inside the clubhouse on 670 The Score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com sports station presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. So now what on three and two? He thinks he can get a slider over the plate. It's a real good time. Two on, nobody out. Three and two from Cease. The slider and he risked him away. Alvarez is down. Biggest pitch of the night on a night that's going to be filled with big pitches. And it sure was Tuesday night. Dylan Cease against the Astros and the highlight courtesy NBC Sports Chicago. Inside the clubhouse, 670 to score. Bruce Levine and Mike Esposito here with you in for David today. Please now to uh, head on out, Bruce, to the score hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. We find one of the best pitchers in baseball. 
We are pleased to bring in Dylan Cease, the White Sox ace pitcher of the team, uh, joining us uh, from Cleveland today. And first of all, Dylan, thanks for taking some time out on a uh, Saturday. We know you pitch tomorrow, so uh, Mike and I appreciate you joining us. And uh, also, thanks for the honey from your uh, from your dad that you gave me uh, last week. It uh, it was fantastic. We'll talk a little bit about. Uh, that and, and some of the things that he does, which is really cool. But uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm glad you guys enjoyed. Yeah, it, it was outstanding. Uh, Dylan, uh, when you uh, look at the matchup that you had with Verlander the other day, uh, you were nice enough to talk to uh, the media before the game and kind of do advance that matchup, which had baseball fans all over the country, not just here in Chicago or in Houston, uh, watching the matchup of the two best pitchers in 2022 in the American League. Um, I don't know if two or three years ago you would have done that, uh, but your confidence level seems so high as a pitcher and as a person these days that uh, you did it. Uh, what what were your thoughts going into you know just talking to us for 15 minutes beforehand and uh, you know not getting into that quote unquote jinx of talking about something that hasn't occurred yet in the game of baseball? Yeah, um, well, I, I pretty much just you know if, uh, if if someone wants to do an interview or you know wants to talk, I'm I'm usually uh, I'm usually always open for it. So. Um, you know, someone someone got me and said, "Hey, there's a lot of people that want to talk to you." And and to me, it made sense. I mean, I, I knew there was a uh, a lot of hype about the matchup, so um, it was just you know just taking care of business. Dylan, uh, one of the great things about your season uh, thus far has been that consistency. Um, you know, the numbers are great, but really, if you look at earned runs allowed throughout the season. I mean, most games, if not all, one or less. I mean, really an amazing accomplishment. Uh, and, and to what do you credit that? I mean, I know you, you put in a ton of work, both with Ethan Katz in the video room, et cetera. How, how do you think you found such success this year? Uh, number one thing is just I'm throwing my off speed in the strike zone um, a lot more consistently, which is just making me harder to hit in general. And then um, I'm also, you know, uh, I'm also getting count leverage and and putting myself in a better position um, to to make the life of batter difficult. So just the little things of executing a little bit better, executing more consistently. And then there's a lot of there's been a lot of situations where um, I've been able to make the is with um, runners in scoring position, which has helped um, hold down the score. Uh, plus, plus my defense behind me has, for the most part, been really great all year too. So um, it, it's not just me. Tillman, I know you have uh, special relationships with uh, all your all the players and the team and the coaches, but I know you you know talk to your locker mate uh, Dylan uh, to uh, Lucas uh, Giolito very often and. Uh, I wonder how much that relationship has helped both of you through the ups and downs of trying to become a great, consistent major league pitcher over the last few years. Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously the closer you can be with your teammates, you know, the more, um, just the more tight knit and, and enjoyable the, the game and, and the clubhouse and all that will be in general. Um, I think we're, 
we're always kind of picking each other's brains, and that's just in general for most pitchers, um, you know, seeing what's working. Um, and just at the end of the day, uh, you know, being supportive of each other, which I think goes a long way. Dylan Cease is our guest here on Inside the Clubhouse on 670 The Score. And, and I was actually thinking, Dylan, of tonight's pitcher, Johnny Cueto. And I was going to ask you, because here's a guy who's been around the block. He's pitched in a ton of big, uh, big-time pressure situations and uh, succeeded. Uh, what what have you learned from Cueto, and, and how is he there in the in the uh, in the bullpen in the pitchers' room when you guys are are doing that brain picking and, and trying to piece together best uh, practices? Yeah, I think I mean he's one of the most fun pitchers I've ever watched. Um, just the the ability to execute four or five pitches on both sides of the plate, and uh, as well as you know, change his motion up every time if he wants to. Um, and, and on top of that, he, he's, you know, he's a bulldog too. So it's like, he, it's kind of like a special storm of all these um, attributes that, you know, that make him, make him a special pitcher, even this, this deep into his career. So um, he's fun to watch. Um, I go and try to watch as many bullpens of his as well. Cause they, they're always, uh, they're always impressive. So, um, you know, he's not afraid to give you his opinion on things, and um, he's he's a great player, great teammate, and uh, definitely definitely feel fortunate I get to be his teammate. How does he even keep balance when he uh, does that uh, gyration? <laughs> I mean, how, how, how yeah. is it even possible to pinpoint pitches with not looking at third base or first base or up in the air? I mean, uh, to me, that's just mind-boggling. It's, it's got to be 15 years of muscle memory because the, the funniest one's the ones where he's going and he almost looks like he's falling back off the mound. He catches himself and then he, he finishes the pitch. It's like you see it like once in a while and it's just it's, it's funny that he's never uh, he's never taken a spill or anything. Yeah. Dylan Cease, really our guest. Is. Last minute or two with you, Dylan, and we really appreciate it. Uh, as you look at the rest of this weekend, and, and we were just talking about Cueto, and then and then we have uh, Johnny, and then you the next few days, and these are obviously huge, huge games in the division uh, for the White Sox against the Guardians. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're they're uh, you know we're at the point in the season where um, well we can't we can't afford to give any away. That's for sure. When you uh, Dylan, when you you look at. Um, Tony this year, uh, you talk about, you know, we always talk about players unafraid, how difficult it is to remain in the major leagues and then be successful beyond other players, which is mind boggling in itself. And then to manage players and not be afraid to go with what you think is right, as opposed to what the norm is. We were talking to Tom Hamilton, the broadcaster for the Indy, uh, I almost said it guardians, uh, just a moment ago. And, um, he said that what he likes about Tony La Russa is that he's not afraid to do what he thinks is right rather than sit back and do the uh, conventional and not be second-guessed. Y- your thoughts of Tony as a manager, uh, his moves, and, uh, and watching him uh, do what he's done over the last couple of years? Yeah, I think um, he, he's definitely not afraid to, to do what he thinks is right, um, which at the end of the day, he always takes accountability for whatever his decisions he makes as well. So. Um, to me, that's a sign of a good leader. Um, what was the last part of your question? Uh, just, just the, the, uh, what, what your, what your, uh, you know, general thoughts are. And, you know, we, we hear a lot of pushback on Tony all the time. Uh, 
because when the things don't work out, I imagine you just think that's, you know, because of, well, I'll, I'll let you answer that part of it. But uh, just a, a general pushback on him and the fact that he's not afraid to do what he thinks uh, has to be done. Yeah. Um, I, you know, my view is, um, you know, for me as a player, I, I have to do my job. And that's, um, you know, first and foremost, so. If if players aren't doing our jobs and, and there's no way um, you know, there's no way that that he's going to have success um, and and like I said you know he's not always he's not always perfect but he's always willing to take accountability and he's he's never going to throw anyone under the bus which I really really appreciate you know it's a, it's a it's definitely a team um, you know kind of a, a close knit um, just I guess system we have going so. Um, I, I have a lot of respect for Tony, and uh, but yeah, he's definitely definitely willing to, um, to to make his own decisions. And and I have a lot of respect for you and Verlander the other day talking about the fact that you are team players, you care about the team most, but you wouldn't, you're not afraid to say you'd like to win the Cy Young Award. I, I think that was refreshing on both sides. I wonder, just in closing, your thoughts about you know, stepping out of your usual role of talking about the team and saying, yeah, you know, I'm having a great year. Why not win that award? Yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, it's definitely one of those things where um, I I try not to focus on it uh, too often. Just, you know, it's it's very easy during the season to kind of lose a little bit of focus on what what I'm trying to do. But, um, yeah, like I said, I mean, it, it would definitely, I don't think there's a pitcher in the league that, that wouldn't want to win the Cy Young, um, but it's definitely uh, it's definitely not as rewarding, you know, if the team's not doing well or if, if you know if there's things like that going on. So um, I, I'm still first and foremost focused on just showing up every day and, and trying to practice and um, just stay locked in. But uh, you know, it really it it wouldn't be uh, it wouldn't be the worst thing ever for sure. Uh, next time, I promise, if you're uh, nice enough to say uh, you'll come on again, we'll talk about your dad, your family, and uh, the, the honey that he produces, which is totally amazing stuff. Thanks again for that. And Mike and I, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Definitely. Sounds good. Thank you. Take care. Dylan Cease joining us on Inside the Clubhouse uh, for a few minutes today. And, uh, you know, just a... Uh, it's fun watching him evolve, uh, Mike, as a pitcher and as a young man who, uh, you know, communicates so well now, uh, both as a pitcher on the mound and as a, uh, you know, a guest on shows like ours. Yep. Uh, and a 26-year-old staff ace, he's having an amazing season, and my brain immediately goes back to the Jose Quintana for Cease and Eloy Jimenez trade, which I think will always be tied to Cease uh, and, and to, you know, fans on both sides of town and and just the path he's taken since then. Right. So that's what, five years ago. And, and to be a Cy Young candidate here at age 26, uh, he's having a great season. And as I mentioned, Bruce, Cueto tonight, Cease tomorrow, the Sox three and a half back uh, in the division after a uh, a three game skid here. This is uh, this is winning time for the Sox if if they want to. Um, get back uh, some of those games that they've lost. We'll talk about that, the Cubs, everything baseball when we come back. It's uh, 312-644-6767. Great show from Vegas with Mully and Haw following us from the Circa Hotel and Sportsbook. So 
Be sure to keep listening from 11 to 12.45. At 12.45, Zach Zaidman has a pregame for Cubs baseball. You're listening to 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. High and inside. for some chin music. Hey, um, how about a warning? Sure. Watch out you don't get killed. <laughs> because sometimes in baseball, you've got to send a strong message, especially when someone has it coming. Each Saturday, David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one, like this. Disappointed. It's uh, you know the second time we've been disappointed with him, and it's just you know you hope he grows up and you know learns from this and learns that it's not just you know it's about more than just him right now. No, look at this clubhouse. We, we really don't need anybody else. It would be nice to have somebody else, but we don't need anybody else. We got everyone we need right here. Back on inside the clubhouse, a little chin music there from Mike Clevenger, Bruce, uh, coming out hard against his teammate Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a piling on time uh, this past week for for Fernando Tatis. It's hard to defend Mike. Uh, the situation we 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 did our talking about it last week, but you know, hearing from his teammates and then AJ Preller, the president and general manager of the Padres, about how disappointed they are in uh, this. Um, you know, it's 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 an unfortunate situation. You have a 22-year-old guy who has now made uh, two major mistakes riding a motorcycle after signing a $340 million contract and busting up his wrist, missing all the season up until now, and now getting the 80-game suspension, which will take him through the rest of this year, the playoffs, uh, at least the first month of 2023. Um, you know, again, Mike, your, pers- your perspective on it, because mine, it's just like, I don't necessarily want to pile on anymore, yet... Uh, I'm trying to find the the positive area that this can go for Tatis and the Padres down the line. Well, and that's really what you're looking for at this point, in my opinion, Bruce, is what is is the future going to hold for this guy? Because here's a team built to try to win now, right? I mean, they're signing and and, uh, retaining guys and adding guys. And uh, A.J. Preller, as we know, is one of the more aggressive GMs making moves to try to win a World Series. Tatis was expected to be a part of that. Obviously, now he is not going to be a part of anything this year and into next year. And and you know what? I can forgive a young guy for being stupid and making young guy mistakes, but at a certain point, especially with the money they've already committed to him, and really, if you look at it, Bruce, and you know, I as a guy who coaches Little League, I have the perspective of being around a lot of young, you know, 9 and 10 and 11-year-old kids. He's their favorite player. So there is some responsibility yeah. that comes to that. Is modern baseball the blame for this? Are the Padres the blame for this as well? Because when they had a chance to do something uh, with the contract, because it was illegal to ride a motorcycle, uh, not illegal, but it was against contract law to ride a, ride a motorcycle in any standard contract, for uh, any any major sports player, and in particular baseball, they could have begun began the process of getting out of the contract at that point. Yet they didn't. So, are we emboldening these people to do these things and ignore bad behavior initially? Does that cause the second event to uh, to take place? 
to me, I, I mean, I understand why the Padres acted as they did at first. Um, the the second, that's why I think the second strike, everyone came out so hard against it. I think everyone, including Preller and including Clevenger, the clip we just played, realized that Tatis was given a pass on the whole motorcycle thing, basically, right? You know what? Recover, come back this year, help us in the playoffs, and, you know, let's move forward. Combine this this second thing now with the suspension on top of that, and I think people have had enough. And, you know, Clevenger uh, very well uh, succinctly put it, right? I mean, let's focus on us. Let's let's straighten up and let's get your act together, right? I mean, it's it's some strong words for a teammate. Would, would, the, would a franchise, let's take the Padres out of it, would a franchise, knowing that it's a... Uh, it's a, a player that's considered, you know, consider this, Mike. He's played 247 games, yep. believe it or not, in his entire career, spanning four mm-hmm. years right now. But would any franchise in sports these days have the nerve to cut a player like that uh, and then watch him go to one of the other 29 teams and maybe lead them to a championship? Is, is that something that is an impossibility in this day and age. Is that is that why uh, behavior like this is continually being accepted? Yeah, I, I, I don't think that would be a possibility. I think that ship has sailed. I think, uh, especially with the funny thing about Tatis, Bruce, and you just said it, he's got less than two full seasons at the big league level, but he, they signed him to this huge extension. And we saw it firsthand with that young Cubs core. You know, the first few years might be great, but then... They may not be long-term superstars. They might be, but they might not be. And San Diego has uh, chosen to build around Tatis, and uh, you know, we'll, I, I'd be very curious to see what happens. I will be watching closely, and I know he's one of the more exciting players in MLB today. A great show today, Sean Sears. A great job of producing it. We thank our guest Dylan Cease. We thank our guest Tom Hamilton. We thank our guest Patrick Wisdom. We thank you, Mike, for sitting in for uh, our good friend David Haw. Mully and Haw next from Las Vegas. I can't wait to listen to them at Poolside, Mike. Thanks for joining in today with us, okay? My pleasure, Bruce. Great to be with you as always. He's on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine. I'm on Twitter at Espo670. And yeah, starting uh, five minutes from now, live from the Circa Hotel and Sportsbook, Swim Cabana number six, Mully and Haw, special Saturday edition coming up next. Thanks for listening to Inside the Clubhouse right here on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.